For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another episode of Believe in Rangers, a New York Rangers podcast presented by Blue York on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Johnny Lazarus, and on the show today is my friend from the Action Network, my colleague, Nick Martin. Going to talk a lot about sports betting. Obviously, super happy that sports betting is now legal in the state of New York. I'm super pumped. So uh, very fun and different perspective on today's interview but also have Alexis Downey joining me to talk about everything going on in the NHL. So we've got that. We've got a lot more. Let's get into it. Adam Fox with a beauty. Save Shesterkin. So it seems like this season, the Rangers have been one of those teams that's been able to avoid the COVID bug, but that's hitting us now on this West Coast trip. Um, obviously, we saw a lot of kids come in and the taxi squad get called up for the game in Anaheim the other night. Um, I know Panarin and Chesterkin were out in Vegas before that when the Rangers lost 5-1, even though I thought that Mark Stone goal was very controversial. If that's not a kicking motion, I'm not really sure what exactly is. It looked to me like Mark Stone extended his left leg when the puck went in. I know he turned his skate prior to that, but I think there's still movement of a kicking motion before that puck goes in. Obviously, that's a huge call that changes the game. If the Rangers um, get that break, then it's still a 1-1 hockey game, but the Rangers don't get it. It's 2-1, and then Jan Mark had that really nice goal to make it 3-1, and obviously Brett Howden has been the best player in the NHL against the Rangers this year. He scored in both games against the Rangers, but I thought it was a really strong bounce-pack performance in Anaheim the other night, and guys stepping up like Ryan Lindgren with two goals, even though one was an empty netter, and Jared Tenorti added the game winner, even though he got a lucky bounce, but it's still great to see those guys scoring. It's great to see Mika get his seventh goal in his last eight games. Mika's getting hot at a pretty good time without Panarin in the lineup, although it is nice to see Panarin back in practice in L.A., so it looks like Panarin's going to play tonight. I did hear that Gerard Gallant has COVID, so I don't believe Gerard Gallant or Gerard Gallant now that he uh, clarified that his last name is pronounced Gallant. I don't think Gerard Gallant will be on the bench for this game in L.A., so it should be a really interesting game tonight. Both teams don't generate much five-on-five. Um, so it might come down to special teams. The Rangers power play has obviously been one of the better power plays in the league, and hopefully they can keep L.A. off the board on their power play. But it should be a good matchup, a rematch from the 2014 Stanley Cup Final. I think it's great that the Rangers keep finding ways to win. Um, a lot of people are expecting some regression in the second half of the year, but they've shown a ton of resilience, especially as a young team, which I feel like you don't see very often. So that's really exciting right now as a Rangers fan. Georgiev has also stepped up and been great. In the absence of Igor, I don't know when we'll get Igor back, but it's really important and paramount that we have good backup goaltending. I don't know if Kincaid will get the start tonight. I'm going to assume they're going to go back with Gorgiv because he looked great in Anaheim, although the Rangers didn't 
let up a ton on him. I know we outshot the Ducks at one point. It was 15 to nothing in the third period. So the Rangers really dominated that third period in Anaheim. But um, helping out their goaltender as much as they can is definitely important. I also saw, while we're on goaltending, I saw that Igor Shosurkin was left off the all-star list, which is really surprising. The Metro goalies are Ilya Sorokin and Freddie Anderson. And Sorokin, yeah, he's been great for the Islanders, but he's been nowhere near what Igor Shosurkin has been for the Rangers this year. Freddie Anderson is tough to argue with. Freddie's been great for Carolina all season long. Um, Like I said on prior episodes, I actually did take Freddie Anderson to win the Bezna, so I'm pretty pumped to see him do well. But yeah, for me, taking Ilya Sorokin over Igor Shosurkin in the All-Star game just makes absolutely zero sense. Representing the Rangers is going to be Chris Kreider, who's been obviously outstanding all year. Artemi Panarin, who's pretty much a lock to be an All-Star every season. And then Adam Fox will be playing in his first All-Star game because there wasn't one last year. So I'm excited to see Foxy in Vegas for All-Star weekend. I think he'll have a great time, as well as Panarin and Kreider. And I still don't get how Igor was left off. But... That's going to do it for my little monologue for this week. Before I go into my conversation with Lexus Downey, I do want to give a second to talk about our sponsor, Blue York. They're a fan-made brand that makes custom designs, content, and apparel for the blue shirts. I'm rocking the sweatshirt right now, the white one with the embroidered R on it. Pretty sick. The Rangers font and the Rangers colors. So check them out, IamBlueYork.com, or go to their social media at IamBlueYork on Instagram and Twitter, I-A-M-B-L-U-E-Y-O-R-K. Go, and when you go to their website, use code Johnny, J-O-N-N-Y, to get 15% off of everything on their website. That's J-O-N-N-Y. So now I'm going to send it over to my friend, Alexis Downey. As always, very happy to welcome on my friend, Alexis Downey, to cover everything going on right now, trending in the NHL. So live from Ellicottville, New York, a place I've never even heard of. Without further ado, <laughs> Alexis Downey, what's going on? You know, I got some great skiing in yesterday. It rained today, so it wasn't as nice, but mm-hmm. it's been a good weekend for me. How's your weekend going? Yeah, you got a lovely uh, ski sweater on there. Vineyard Vine, yes. looks like. Yes. Yep. Yep. My whales and the blue and everything. Mm-hmm. Some nice color. <laughs> I don't think I've been skiing in like 15 years. I actually, I've only went skiing like one time in my life. And okay. I, so yeah, I've, I've been like, my, my friends are like planning a ski trip and I just like said, no, I don't even know if I <laughs> would be good. Everyone says like, it's an easy, you know, correlation with hockey and everything. But for some reason, I don't know. I, I, I used to like try to snowboard, but I can't get into skiing for some reason. I don't know why. So maybe you can sell me on it. Yeah. You know, I love it. I've been skiing like my entire life. I was in ski club when I went to Michigan state. So, and that's really big that's there. Cool. Uh-huh. Um, but it, it's something that's a lot of fun. And I feel like as you get older, it's harder to learn, but once you learn it, it's kind of like riding a bike. Once you get back into it, you know what you're doing. You can keep going. Mm -hmm. Um, but I feel like it, it's such a fun hobby. Like there's so the culture around it is just, it's really fun. And I actually saw quite a few Sabres jerseys yesterday, Uh which was kind of weird to see. There's some Taylor Hall, uh, some, some, a bunch of different ones, but I kind of forgot. I was like, Oh yeah, I am in New York. Oh yeah. I'm by Buffalo too. Well, they're all skiing instead of going to the games. <laughs> yeah, that's so yeah. true. Everyone was waiting for the Bills games. Uh-huh. Exactly. It's funny, too. The uh, the only thing that I love about skiing, and I don't know if you can relate, but the South Park episode when they go skiing, I think, is one of the funniest things. They go to Aspen. I don't know if you've seen that. I can't say I've seen yeah. it, but I have been to Aspen. I went there actually last February. So. That's cool. Oh, so you're a big skier. Yeah, yeah. All right. So. Well, I have nothing to relate, but that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, we can just jump into all yeah. the hockey that's been going on. And specifically, one thing that I really do want to start out with, um, our prayers, our thoughts, everything goes into the community up in Connecticut, um, the family family of Teddy Balkand. Um, really, really tragic story. And I'm just, I feel so much for everyone in um, his community right now. Yeah. Um, my mom actually texted me, I guess, I, I don't really watch the news at night, but my mom had saw it on the news. And, you know, obviously I don't really like hearing these stories or reading about these stories, but I couldn't really help myself because it was all over social media. So did my due diligence and, um, you know, read what happened and I don't want to repeat it on here because I don't know the exact story, but you know, everyone that has heard can only imagine what happened. So, um, you know, obviously just as someone who grew up playing hockey, it's like, I can't imagine anything, you know, being scarier. And, um, obviously like my thoughts are not only with the family of, you know, Teddy Balkin, but also with the family of, you know, the kid who collided with him or, you know, whatever, um, happened there, but, um, just obviously a horrible scene. And, um, you know, hopefully the hockey community can come together and figure something out for the new Canon um, community and Connecticut hockey in general. And, um, you know, everyone will be thinking of the Balkan family and just that area, you know, for a long time. Definitely. And it's been great to see all of the NHL teams and players that, you know, have also been voicing their prayers and their thoughts for Teddy as well and the family and everything. So, um, but kind of a little switch gears, not as much of a somber topic, kind of something really exciting for Marc-Andre Fleury happened this week when he made his return back to the fortress against his former team, the Vegas Golden Knights. He now has a win against all 32 teams in the NHL, the first ever goaltender to have that in the history. And I think that is just such a cool thing to say that you did. Like, mm. I know that there's that's happened a lot in like the NFL and stuff. And, um, I, what, what a cool thing for flurry, a guy that's just kind of at the end of his career, he's achieved so much. And to just add one more thing to that list, it's something that doesn't really surprise me from him. It's funny. Cause when I saw that, I was thinking back to like Henrik Lundqvist, did he not play against Vegas? Cause I feel like he would have been the first one to do it too. Oh, I guess Seattle though. Seattle. Seattle yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Flurry's got kind of an unfair advantage, I think, in that department. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess at this point now, the whole, like, uh -huh. since we have Seattle, yeah. I'm sure that there may, was there maybe another guy in the past I, that's done it? I can't think of one that's been around as long as Flurry. Uh, maybe yeah. Terry Price, if he was playing this year. Yeah. He could have done it. But, yeah, I can't think of another goalie that's really, like, been around long enough to, to do so. Um, yeah. At least a starter right now. Right. Right. Um, and I have to give a shout out because my friend Jason Ross was on the call for the Blackhawks broadcast, mm -hmm. his very first TV broadcast, and he did an outstanding job. And I was just really excited that he was able to call a game that got a victory as well, um, because he was actually on the radio call for the Colorado Blackhawks game that I was at over the week, the past week. And we know that one ended in a crazy way. Kale McCarr, someone that you know pretty well, mm -hmm. had an outstanding goal, one of the goals of the year topic or candidates right now. And um, it was, I mean, that goal was insane to watch. It's honestly so funny too, because when everyone was like, just like raving and ranting about it, I didn't really think it was like anything crazy just because I've seen Kale do it so <laughs> many times. Like, 
you know, that's that's like a, a play that he would typically make. Um, you know, obviously the, the finish was incredible going to his backhand. I think anyone would have anticipated him to kind of go around flurry to his forehand, but the way that he like juked forehand went backhand shelf was pretty impressive. I mean, I, I haven't seen him really use his backhand much in the time that I spent playing with him. But yeah, no, I was I was definitely not surprised the, on the fact that he had such a nice goal. Um, you know, me personally, I tried to avoid going one on one with him every time in practice to not look like Kirby Doc in that scenario. But yeah, no, obviously a sick finish. And like a lot of people have said, Kale is basically the Connor McDavid for defensemen. Like nobody skates like him, maybe Quinn Hughes a little bit, but nobody has that explosive speed and that quick agility that he had in that play just to cut back like that. Even fooled the cameraman, like the camera guy <laughs> yeah. had the camera toward the blue line and Kale, you know, it, it, it just, I, I have never seen that kind of skill on, on a defenseman. I don't think in my entire life. And I know obviously it's hard to compare like the Bobby Orr's and the defenseman, you know, from a generation before us, but to where the game has gone and to where players are now and the way they develop, I don't know if there's anyone out there like Kale McCarr that can just switch gears like that. All this young generation that we've seen of talent in the NHL, it's been, it's really cool for us because you know, that, that is our age group. And just to watch these guys kind of grow and develop and, come into these roles is, is a pretty cool thing. And I remember I was watching that play and I was like, Kale is going to do something. I just had this feeling he was going to do something with the puck and he did it. And I, I audibly said, wow, in the press box. And I think a lot of other people did too. Um, but really, really a cool night for him kind of sticking in the central division as well. The predators have been, Oh, you want to say one wanted, more thing. I wanted to say one Go more ahead. thing on the, on the topic. The, the best part about the entire goal was Kale's celebration because you never really see him show that much emotion. <laughs> I, I never saw him sell really in college much. And to see him, you know, go down on one knee and scrape ice and, and have that kind of uh, emotion to, to that goal was just the icing on the cake for that play. You knew he knew that it was a good goal. Definitely. He knew that I had the over and it hit on that goal. <laughs> that too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, like I was saying, sticking with the central division, the Nashville Predators have been very, very good. Definitely something that we weren't necessarily expecting. We thought maybe they'd be more of a, a team that was kind of going to start rebuilding. And then all of a sudden they've just taken their talent, done really well. Great goaltending, goal scoring. They kind of have it all. And, uh, you know, they have 48 points right now, actually leading the West as well. Um, and they did have some COVID issues. They had the pause as well. Um, but since then, you know, they've they've been eight, one and one in their last 10 games with a four game win streak. Just a really hot team and certainly not what I expected. But does this mean that they're going to be legit as the season goes on? Are they going to keep this up? Are we going to see them in the postseason? All of those questions I feel like are pretty valid right now. Yeah, I mean, we kind of touched on it a little bit in this interview with uh, Nick Martin just about the Western Conference seeming to be a little bit weaker than the East right now. But the one thing that's concerning about Nashville, um, as good as they've been, as good as they are, the one thing where I look at them and I'm like, ah, can they really keep this up is Roman Yossi leading them in points. And as good as Roman Yossi is, I feel like it's never a good sign when a defenseman leads your team in scoring, you know, no matter who that defenseman is, even the Rangers right now with Fox, you know, it's a, it's a little concerning that the Rangers are only generating goals pretty much on the power play. They're not really generating much five on five. So I kind of look at that also with Nashville where I'm not exactly sure what their power play percentage is right now or where they are as far as the league rankings go on the power play. But um, if I'm just looking at the stat sheet right now and I see Roman Yossi at the top, I'm just thinking like, oh, a lot of their production comes in the power play. Um, and that might not even be 100% accurate, but 
you know, they do have guys like Philip Forsberg, who's been great. He's got 18 goals this year. And Matt Duchesne's been great. He has 14 goals. You know, Matt Duchesne obviously was a guy like five years ago who was probably considered one of the top centers in the league and has kind of fallen off a little bit, it seems like, when he went to Ottawa and now he's in Nashville. But um, good to see that he's found his production again. But yeah, I mean, listen, I don't think this team's going to finish first in the Central. I'm just going to tell you that straight up. Um, but, you know, them sticking around the top and getting a wild card spot in the playoffs is definitely not a far-fetched goal. Yeah, and they haven't won a playoff round since 2018. So maybe this is the year that they do win one if they don't have to play, you know, a Colorado or a Vegas or whoever it may be in uh, the postseason. And it's kind of funny because they are welcoming the Avalanche um, to Nashville on Tuesday, which I'm going to get to because that's going to be one of my best bets. Okay. But I think that that will be a good game on Tuesday. And there's just been so much good hockey and so much to be excited about recently. Nikita Kucherov coming back. I mean, he's someone that every time he's on the ice, it's, it's exciting to watch him. He's so scary good. It's insane. It, <laughs> it, it really is. It's insane. He, he is. I mean, the same thing happened last year, right? Like he joined, he, he missed like the entire season, joined in the playoffs, came right back, like took over. And you saw it the other night. Um, I forgot who their opponent was. Who they play the other night when Kucherov had two assists? Um, Calgary. Calgary. Yes, thank you. That definitely slipped my mind. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he just—he looks like he's missed no time, and um, you know, I, I don't think it's crazy to think that Tampa can threepeat. You know, this team is so good, and they—they they didn't really lose so much from their Stanley Cup teams the last few years. I know, like Yanni Gord, obviously, and Barkley Goodrow are two names that ne- not necessarily stick out, but um, two names that we're familiar with, obviously, with the depth and everything, but. Yeah, I don't think it's crazy to think that they can three-peat. So Kucherov is just unbelievable and fun to watch. Definitely. And, I mean, they didn't end up winning their game against the Bruins on Saturday, but he still had five shots on goal, speaking to his production as well. And I think that one of the things with Tampa, I mean, we know that they have that depth, and it's just continued to show, I mean, getting him back in the lineup, they couldn't be too comfortable with him because they've had to play so much without him. Mm -hmm. And it's almost just like he's just that added extra piece that just makes them so elite. I don't know about three-peating, but they're definitely going to be, they know how to play in the postseason. They know how to play when the games are meant to be won. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Tampa as we get down the line in the season. Um, But another fun player, this that's recently been fun to watch, at least Trevor Zegras. Um, You can speak about that. I mean, the ducks played the Rangers and, he certainly tried a few interesting moves. Yeah, I mean, he, he just stands out every time he's out there. Um, it was so fun watching him on Saturday night, even though these West Coast games, the Rangers have been on this West Coast trip, and it's so hard to stay up to like 1 a.m. every night watching games. But, um, you know, when a guy like Seagrass is out there, it's just so much fun. And, you know, I know you saw he tried that uh, alley-oop or whatever you want to call it again, <laughs> whatever the Seagrass play is. I actually saw on Twitter someone called it the Dishigan, and I thought that was like the best name that I've seen. Dishigan. I thought that was really cool. <laughs> I like yeah, the Dishian. I, I think they should keep it as the Dishian. I thought it was awesome, but he didn't necessarily do the same thing because he didn't pick it up on a stick, but mm-hmm. he did like that flip play. But um, he had a crossbar, and if that goal goes in, who knows if the Rangers you know, end up winning. That definitely changes the game. But, yeah, he is just so fun to watch. I mean, I don't even know. He just tries something new. It looks like every shift. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was the rookie of the month in December for yeah. the NHL, so I feel like that was obviously for a reason. And mm-hmm. I know the ducks are playing tonight against the red wings because that game was postponed on Thursday. They're playing it tonight. So maybe we'll see something from Zegris in the highlights later tonight. 
Yeah, I want to add one more thing too, actually, now that just came to my mind. I watch The Point pretty much every Thursday on ESPN. I don't know if you watch it uh, every week with like Bucci Yeah, Austin. when I can. Yep, yep. So Emily Kaplan did that amazing piece on Jack Hughes last week. I don't know if you got a chance to see it. I haven't watched it yet, but I listened to her podcast and she mm-hmm. talked about when she was with him for that day. And I have been meaning to see it because it sounds like it was a really, really fun piece. And she said how much she enjoyed hanging out with him. Yeah, he's I mean, I actually met him at a bar like last summer in New York and he's like the coolest kid. Oh, yeah, he's awesome. really. But uh, that's a weird brag. But um, <laughs> no, I was just bringing that up because like a guy like Zegers and a guy like Jack Hughes, like all these young kids that are coming in with so much confidence and so much swagger. It's so great for the game. Like I, I just remember listening and hearing stories about the guys like 20 years ago that would come into the NHL and they wouldn't even say a word to anybody. They just kind of kept quiet and had to like somewhat earn their confidence. But all these kids now, like especially Jack Hughes, especially Trevor Zegers, they come in with so much confidence. And maybe that's, you know, just the way of the world right now. It seems like, at least in my experience in college too, like the freshmen that came in always had like some sense of entitlement. Um, not necessarily saying that these guys have that sense of entitlement, but, um, you know, when you're kind of told how good you are your entire life, it's kind of hard not to be so confident. So I feel like for them, especially with like social media and all these like highlight videos that are posted to them when they're growing up and, you know, just having like, I'm sure Jack Hughes, I don't even know what he's at right now, but he probably had like, you know, a hundred thousand to 300,000 followers before even being in the NHL. And that's got to get his confidence up, whatever that might mean to him. But um, it's just great for the game. I think to see these kids like come in and just show personality and have swagger and, and, and all that about them. Because like 20 years ago, I feel like you know, I'm trying to think of a rookie that came in like in even like Ovechkin and Crosby. I mean, Ovechkin obviously had his like sellies and celebrations, but Crosby was always like super serious. And, um, you know, it's great to see these guys just like have fun and, and not necessarily not care, but, you know, just be themselves. You know, I think you make a really good point there because this is something that I think the NHL really needs to embrace, embrace these young guys, market these young guys. It's going to help the league in the long run. And mm-hmm. yes, you're going to have those old NHL fans and all the older maybe media or, you know, whoever they may be, that's a part of this game that are going to be against these people and just not for the, the flashiness that they kind of bring. But I really, I think it's only going to help the league as we grow into these newer times in hockey. And I really hope that they do embrace it and, help market this league and get them get the NHL to where it really could be, especially here in America, because it's just, it's just not a top watch sport for, for the most part. And it could be to an extent with all these new TV, TV deals and like these new guys, like it's a really good opportunity for the league. So it's funny too. I, I like, as you were saying this, I wanted to look up like an NBA second year guy, his Instagram following versus an NHL player. So right now, okay. first NBA player that comes to mind for me is like John Morant. John Morant okay. was drafted se- uh, second overall, I think like two years ago. He's got 4.5 million followers on Instagram. Let's go to wow. Jack. Yeah. Just just guess what Jack uses that. Three to 400,000. Literally spot on. 334K. <laughs> first wow. overall draft pick. That's that's just, but that's part of it. That's crazy, right? Like, yeah. But these guys and Jack Hughes kind of talks about it in that uh, ESPN piece with Emily Kaplan, like he finds it so important for players to show personality through fashion. And I think, you know, as we go along here, I think the NHL has loosened up a little, little bit about wearing mm-hmm. the suits to games. But when a guy like that and a guy like Jack Hughes and Trevor Zegers, like the star caliber that they have and that they are, when they're talking about it, I feel like the NHL at some point is just going to have to 
concede and let them do what they want. I mean, the fact that John Moran has 4.5 million followers and Jack Hughes has 334, like K, to me, that's just, and listen, it's obviously Instagram is not the most important thing in the world, but that's like a huge sense of popularity. Like it, it, mm-hmm. it just, it just is. And uh, anyone who might disagree with me, that's totally fair. But, um, you know, kids right now are on social media, on their phones, they're following their favorite players, they're following the cool players. So I think that's a huge part of it too. It's just like making these guys more popular. Yeah. I feel like Jack Hughes could be someone that's a little bit more relatable to a everyday type person than John Morant might be, but I I guess we'll kind of see what the NHL does with it and hopes that they do take this and run with it. Kind of switching again to another big thing. That's uh, a player that's really been standing out recently, Jordan Cairo, like Mm -hmm. ever since the winter classic, he has just been playing so well. Um, four goals, three assists in the last four games. And he scored today, actually the game winner, a power play goal against Dallas. So just another hot guy that's doing really well for his team, St. Louis blues right now. Um, they, they really weren't a team that I was excited about coming into this year. And now it's like, okay, maybe I can get excited about the blues. Yeah. That blues, that game yesterday against Dallas or today, I guess while we're recording, but yesterday, if you're listening today. Pretty wild. They were down one nothing in the final minute. Ryan O'Reilly scores with like 50-something seconds left, and then Kairou finishes that in the last, what was it, like 15 seconds? How, many, how much time is left? It, I, I don't know the exact time, but it, it, it there wasn't much time left. Yeah, but no, the, like I think we talked about it last episode. The Blues are getting hot, and um, I don't know if you have a further comment, but I want to transition into our next topic because it has to do with the Blues. No, go ahead. So you and I actually talked about the Blues versus Penguins game last week because it was on TNT, and um, I believe you took the blues originally. I took the penguins and then I went back on my gut and ended up taking the blues, which I usually don't <laughs> do. But for some reason I felt convinced that the blues were going to come out and win this game, but they were winning pretty much the entire game. I think they were up three to one. Then, um, you know, Pittsburgh scores there. I think Brian Russ scored to make it three, two. And then Crosby scores a controversial goal where he comes through the crease, not necessarily through the crease, but Bennington had his arm out and Crosby knocked into the arm before putting the puck in. So obviously the St. Louis Blues review the call because they called it a good goal on the ice, but they felt it was goalie interference. And then the call stands. So the Blues are wrong about their challenge and they now have to be shorthanded. So I hate that there is a rule regarding, I hate coaches review to begin with, first of all, I'm not going to get into that, but I hate even more how if you review a call and you're wrong, you are then penalized. And then the Penguins like nine seconds later, Evan Rodriguez scores in the power play. And just like that, my bet's over in 12 seconds. The, the Penguins go up four to three. You know what I mean? I think this is going to be a huge controversial thing in the playoffs, especially. You know, imagine a very controversial call. Like imagine challenging it in the playoffs in a one goal game in the third period. And then, which is a questionable call too, right? Like a kicking right. motion or something. And then um, you're wrong and then you're penalized and then they score again. It's just it, it, like for me, if it's a really close call, I don't think there should be a penalty for it. But if it's like an obvious thing somewhat, you know, maybe I don't know if they can really kind of um, go back and forth in that rule, but I don't think it should be in every coach's challenge thing. I don't know if that really makes sense, but you kind of get what I'm saying, right? Yeah, no, I, I get what, what your point is with that. And I think that like for sports across the board, it's something that seems to be kind of consistent. Like if you if you do do if you make the coaches call and you're wrong, then you are penalized. Mm-hmm. Um I'm pretty sure they have that rule in the NFL. You lose a timeout though. I think so. Um, yeah. Yeah. So which would make much more I sense think, if you lose a timeout. Yeah. So maybe, maybe they need to do something more like that, but 
I get your frustrations because it can lead, obviously in this case it did, it can lead to something where your bet ends up going down the drain and you lose. So what about the bet? The bet definitely made it a little more upsetting, but just the momentum of the game in general. I mean, Pittsburgh had already gotten momentum back when Crosby scores, but then you even like add more onto it after Rodriguez scores 12 seconds later, you know? Yeah. And I think like in the, the playoff situation, I mean, that would be really change an entire series like that. It, it really could because yeah. we know how much winning one game can swing the momentum in a whole series. So, yeah, I think that that might be something that they could look into. And I mean, maybe maybe put a tip into the NHL and let yeah. them know. <laughs> I mean, the only sport where I actually love the challenge, because I think it's just so cool how they do it is tennis. I love how like, there's like a ball tracker and you can kind of see like where the ball lands. You know okay, you, you watch more tennis than I do because I don't watch, know oh, I love any tennis. of that works. No, I don't know oh, how really? any of it works. Nope. I'll send you a video of the te- of like a tennis challenge after this, but it's cool. Like a player can just like request a challenge. Like I think I don't know if there's like a limited amount of challenges they get, but there's okay. like a computer tracker on the ball that will like they'll go to the screen and show you like exactly on the court where the ball lands. So it could be like an inch off of the line and it's out. It's great. It's really cool. Hmm. It's really cool. Interesting. I guess all sports are different. So yeah, I just really, hate challenging really, though. It's so annoying. <laughs> I guess we'll see what happens with that. But uh we can go into our best bets this week. I kind of teased mine already a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'll start with it. You know, the Predators and Avalanche in Nashville. Um, despite how well the Predators are playing, I think that the Avalanche are gonna win that one. They've just been looking so good recently. So that's my pick for Tuesday. Um, I'm going to go to a game tonight, actually, Monday night. Bruins in Washington. Uh, Bruins have had a pretty strong start to the second half or start to 2022, aside from that loss to the Wild last week. But the Capitals have been right up there as well. Capitals actually lost to the Wild, too. Or no, they beat the Wild um, the other night. But either way, both teams have been playing great hockey. Alexander Ovechkin this year has been 36 years old, scoring 24 goals in 36 games. Like, it's... (laughs) Unheard of, I think. But, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of stars in that game. Backstrom, Ovechkin, Pasternak, Marshawn, Bergeron are always must-watch TV. So um, that'll be a really fun matchup. And I think I'm going to take the – I'm actually writing about this on the Action Network. So I probably have posted an article link out today if you're listening to this. But um, as of right now, my pick is the Capitals' money line. I don't know if uh, I'm going to stick to that when I write the article tonight. But I'm, as of now, I'm doing Capitals' money line in this one. You know, it's funny because that is one of my games that I have down as well. And I also mm-hmm. picked the caps for that. Cause I just feel like they're due for this win. Yeah. Like this is usually a really good game between these two teams. It's just like mm-hmm. the emotions. It, it's just seems like it's a, a little bit of a heated ish rivalry sort of, mm-hmm. I would say so. Um, yeah. And I, I picked the caps on that one too. So that, well, I didn't mean to steal that one. from you. My bad. Yeah. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> this is good. We're on the same page for this week, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And and here's, I'll go with my second one then, I guess. And a matchup that, you know, I feel like usually wouldn't be very exciting, but Vancouver's in Florida on Tuesday night at seven o'clock. Vancouver's obviously been another one of those teams that's been super hot under Bruce Rudrow. And Florida has been the best home ice team, I think, in the entire NHL all year. I'm pretty sure they only have like three losses on home ice. Is that the number? I'm pretty sure I saw. You're probably right around like three there. Or four. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I I think I, I might go for the underdog pick here and take Vancouver on the road in Florida. I think they've Ooh. been super hot. And um, Florida lost to Dallas, I believe. Oh, no. They played Carolina last night. What was the score of that game? They lost. They played Carolina on Saturday. And, oh, they won in overtime. They came back. It was three to one last time I looked. 
so yeah, Florida, obviously one of those teams that's been rolling all year, but Vancouver is arguably the hottest team in the NHL right now. So I'm going to go with Vancouver on the road. Again, kind of piggybacking off of that, I had the Lightning and Canucks on Thursday because the Canucks are on a little bit of a longer road trip um, starting this week. And it's kind of crazy because they're playing the Panthers, the Lightning, and the Hurricanes all this Mm -hmm. week. So that is just going to be the ultimate test for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like the Lightning are going to win this game uh, on Thursday over the Canucks because they play really well at home. They only have four losses at home right now um, this season. So I'm going with the lightning, probably mm. kind of a similar record to the Panthers at home. So the Panthers must have three and the lightning probably have. Four. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That's also obviously a good pick. Um, it's easy to pick the home ice team is when, you know, they have such a good record on home ice. Um, and my last one, actually, I don't really have a pick for this game yet, but Saturday at two o'clock, Washington, again, the capitals are in long Island to play the Islanders. The Islanders are going to play the devils. I believe on Thursday, let me just double check. Yep. Islanders play the Devils on Thursday. So this is an Islander team that's had about two weeks off, um, you know, due to their West Coast trip getting rescheduled. I'm curious to see how they come out against the Devils. I think they'll be a little flat with the Devils. You never know what team you're going to see. So they could sneak out a win there. But, you know, obviously, like I talk about pretty much all the time, I think the Islanders are one of those teams that can just get hot and uh, go on a streak. So um, if they are able to beat the Devils, who knows? I think they might be able to take the caps on home ice. I don't know. I just expect this team to to turn it around and, and figure something out because, listen, I, I like it's funny. Like this comes up all the time. My cousin, my cousin's the biggest Ranger fan, just wants to see the Islanders like die. Um, <laughs> not actually, obviously, but um, you know, wants them to suck. So for me, like I, I enjoy when they do well. So um, which listen, I have a Ranger fan may not agree with, but um, <laughs> it's more fun when I think the Devils too. It's more fun when the teams around here are competitive. So. Um, I do think the Islanders got completely screwed in the first half of the year with everything involving COVID and I'm excited to watch them play in the second half. They're probably the team with the worst luck this year oh, so far. Horrible. If that, if what happened to them happened to the Rangers, I'd be writing letters to the NHL, <laughs> literally handwritten letters, not even emails. That's how I just I'd add be. that to the, the coaching call. Yeah, literally. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it's a, a exciting week of hockey. Things are really picking up. Um, a lot to talk about, a lot of highlights to watch. Um, so I'm really excited for the second half. I think it's gonna be awesome. I'm right there with you. That's about all I've got for, uh, for this week. Any final thoughts before we wrap it up? No, no, I think that's it. Hopefully our, our bets do well this week. Yeah. Uh, and without further ado, I'm going to send it over to my friend, Nick Martin. This week, I'm very happy to welcome on my colleague from the Action Network. He does an unbelievable job covering the NHL, talking about betting and and a lot of underlying metrics and things that I have never even really heard of until I started with Action. So I have learned a lot from him. Very happy to welcome on my friend, Nick Martin. Nick, what's going on? Hey, Johnny. Thanks for for having me. Yeah, uh, I've been really looking forward to this, really looking forward to having you on for a long time. We uh, don't usually have a betting perspective on this show, so um, definitely kind of different for the listeners, but I want to start off right away. I'm in New York. I'm very pumped that New York is officially allowing sports betting. This is going to come out Monday, so by now people already have been using DraftKings, FanDuel, or whatever it is you use. Um, but for you, I guess, I know you're in Calgary, right? You're a Canadian. Yeah. Uh, how exciting is it for you just to see sports betting become more and more popular in the U.S. and in states like New, in states like New York? I don't even know if yeah. it's legal where you are. It's complicated here. Like uh-huh. we're actually still not going to have DraftKings until around the Super Bowl because I actually mm-hmm. want it specifically for the NHL. They kind of post some weird lines early, but um, and it's yeah, it's sweet for everyone. Like for 
the articles that I write and we write, obviously, it's huge to have New York becoming legal and like actually able to play the lines on the sites that you're suggesting and such. So mm -hmm. it'll be nice in that regard. Yeah, I'm excited to walk into Madison Square Garden, maybe have a, you know, a FanDuel something in, in MSG and I can just throw in like a hundred bucks and get a ticket for the game. That'd be pretty sweet. Oh yeah, that'd be sweet. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Well, that's what I think they're going to start doing, right? I think every uh, betting company wants to have some kind of like, I don't know how you'd word it, like a, a sports book, I guess, set up in each arena. I think that's kind of where we're headed. Yeah. Like my understanding of it here is that we we can have the offshore ones. Like I like uh, Five Dimes, Pinnacle, Bet365, mm -hmm. but we, we don't have the US ones. And I like player props and some of those so like not having FanDuel and uh DraftKings is kind of a loss for me but mm -hmm. it is what it is so while you mentioned player props I think we should just dive right into that because I know that was a big uh topic of conversation before we got started here I usually stay away from player props I have a story but I'll, I'll say it after you go I know you're a big player prop guy uh you know who are certain guys that you love to bet on or certain um different kind of props that you look for night in and night out yeah so I think one that a lot of kind of the sharper guys are on more and more lately is the shot props. So the shots on goal. So a good example lately, like we were saying, Cole Caulfield was over 2.5, just money every other, or pretty much three out of four games for the last mm -hmm. month. And a lot of it just revolves around finding more usage. So he just went from, and he's obviously a shooter to begin with. And as he kind of settled back into the lineup and they just kept getting more and more depleted, he went from fourth line, some second power play minutes to second line power play one. And the numbers are just staying the same. And I find that's the same, like with a lot of the, a lot of the NBA player props are obviously huge for some of the bigger betters mm -hmm. and they they'll just stick with it on guys over and over. Like half the time they're playing the same guys, the spot matters a lot, but like generally it'll be just a line is a little too low for one guy, a couple nights of back to back to back so you said mda player props mda yeah which i i dive into but i kind of just usually as a starting point i just have like four or five guys on twitter i love and mm -hmm. kind of from there the other concept we were talking about earlier with the nhl shot tracking mm -hmm. um so basically what i had been saying is just it needs to get a little sharper there's been way too many times this year where I could send in a video of four shots on goal from a game and you need three. And I get that obviously that's not the most important thing to a lot of people. But with that said, this is obviously a huge market with regards to the NHL being able to get some extra revenue. Mm -hmm. And if you look towards the NFL and the NBA, obviously they're doing it a little better, a little sharper, and they're having people really, really get into that. So I do think, especially when it blows up on New York and so on, We'll probably hear about it a little more that it just needs to be a little sharper and that's where all the money's made right it seems like i keep seeing on twitter these like two dollar parlays for five different players in the same game to have like you know over two and a half shots on goal and that's great that's where you see like the two dollar parlay hit for 100k so that's why i think it's really exciting you know to have it in new york because i'm it definitely cause yeah obviously that is where some of the the sucker betting comes into play yeah but low risk high reward right and the thing is I think like with the really sharp guys, people really are putting a lot of work into the usages. And the other thing is like, obviously you're getting a lot more off of say like Columbus compared to playing Boston with regards to uh, shot attempts. Mm -hmm. So there's just things like that. And obviously there's kind of less that goes into it with hockey. Like generally for mine, I still really like to just 
kind of a combination of the spot and really watching the player and kind of what they've been doing. Whereas with basketball, I think a lot of the really sharp player prop guys are just, they'll just pour into the data and just look at like this team's allowing a lot more perimeter threes or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And then just figure out the usages and it just kind of revolves around that. And I don't know if there's as much kind of to go off in hockey, but. Well, you did say Boston and I have not placed a prop bet since the 2019 Stanley Cup final game seven it was St. Louis and Boston. And I'm going to tell you one of my worst betting experiences ever. I bet that night, the Boston Bruins to win money line straight up. And I also had Braden Shen and Jaden Schwartz under half a point. And I'm pretty sure Jaden Schwartz assisted to Braden Shen to put the blues up three, nothing in the third period. And I was like, Oh my fucking God, I just lost everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. that's. It was like the dagger, the dagger in the game. I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Player props are so funny that way too, because like there's so many where the line is so low, like you're looking so bad for so like especially goals. Mm-hmm. Like I had a big one on Ovi to score anytime versus Detroit the other week, and I had the Caps to win in regulation, and it was like the most boring game coming out of the break, mm-hmm. and it was whatever I think two two late and like classic Obi one timer trickles through pretty soft one and it mm-hmm. just swung the whole game like i was watching the whole game like this is so boring how did i bet on this and then just like one stupid little shot trickles in and i was like oh yeah i'm good now well that's so, the, that's what you were saying before you like when you when you hit a prop you feel like a genius but when they you know don't hit you, you just feel like an idiot yeah he had such a quiet game and it was just like oh this is a dumb one and they're always typically like they do take a little too much juice on any time goal scorer where like if you actually run the numbers it's pretty quick to see like whatever it'll be like some random score and it's three to one and you mm-hmm. look and it's like 20 goals a year and then however many come in two goal games so he's actually only scoring like 15 out of 80 contests so like mm-hmm. once you dive into it it's like okay yeah the numbers don't exactly add up but it's it's funny too i was actually i don't know why this i mean i do know why this just came to my head but uh, last night, one of my friends texted me. I think we should take like every Julius Randall prop. He's probably going to go off tonight. I, the double did you double. Take it too? I played the double double. Just, you did. Yeah. Well, last night that whole controversy. We're recording this on Saturday or today's Friday. You know, the day after the Celtics Knicks game, and the first half, Julius Randall's playing probably the worst game of his season, and that's when the Knicks fans are all over him. And then you know he turns it around. He's probably you know aside from Fournier, he was a big part of that comeback. And then today. You know, the whole story around the Knicks is that Julius Randle basically told the Knicks fans to go fuck themselves or shut the fuck up, whatever <laughs> it was. And, you know, like my friends, just like the roller coaster of emotion that goes into betting on a certain player is so funny because the first half, you know, my entire group chat's like, Julius Randle fucking sucks. And then second half, it's like, I love him, MVP. You know, it's just so That was funny. a popular one last night. I yeah. saw, like, I think, pretty much everyone was. Did he get to 21? Um, I'm not sure because I didn't take it. I like I said, I don't really like prop bets. And I just refreshed and was looking at the boards, and I was like, "Ah." Julius Randle had 22 points and eight rebounds. So no, he did not get a double double. But he no, 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 no. I know he didn't get, but the points. I think the points was 21.5. You know what? I feel like this is another good one to bring up. Where I don't know why some people get so competitive and kind of like like i know my double double missed but i still would be stoked to know everyone else got their 21.5 even though i took one and i feel like sometimes i don't know if it's the people who've had like too many bad experiences or what but i'm like still like i want everyone to hit you know what i mean like the money's coming from the books i don't know why some people kind of get like a bit of a hateful mindset towards gambling and 
and so on. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it doesn't kind of hang around. I was saying, I could tell you one more. My, my roommate in college, my freshman year, his first ever bet was Falcons money line in the, in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. <laughs> so that he might have a, a bad taste in his mouth. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I just feel like it, sometimes if you read it online, some of the commentary is kind of negative and it's like, I don't yeah. really know why there's any point to that. Yeah, no, a thousand percent. I, I do want to go away from gambling for just a, a quick minute because there is an elephant in the room to bring up here. It says in your Action Network bio that like you're a huge Tom Wilson supporter and this is a Rangers show. So we got to go into yeah. why that is. I was actually considering hanging my Tom Wilson jersey up in the back. You should have. That would have been I a statement. Wanna, I want to be given a fair shake because then everyone's just going to hate everything I say right away, I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I do love Tom Wilson. I think uh, everyone says it all the time, but if he was on your team, you'd love him. I would. And I do think he gets a bad... I mean, obviously he gets bad rap, he's like, <laughs> yeah. but he is so like, oh, she commented on this the other day. He's just so strong and it's, it's hard to like, I think there's been a lot of incidents where I don't really know exactly what he was supposed to do differently. And it kind of went so bad. Like the one hit I always talk about is the Aston Reese hit where it's like, mm, yeah, you've played hockey, you know, you lower yourself to get play with Aston Reese actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like he watch they're going head on so clean and aston reese lowers himself for leverage like so low mm-hmm. and he just gets blown up like so bad and it happens and then that one ends up being three playoff games like i just think there's been a yeah. few where it's it's just not what it is without tom wilson i don't know mm-hmm. there's there's so many though it's hard to defend them sometimes I mean, I'd be more than happy if he was a Ranger. I'm not going to lie. Like, he, he, he kind of reminds me not necessarily of what, like, Sean Avery used to be, but Sean Avery definitely had, like, a, you know, negative, connota- negative like, I guess, um, you know, viewpoint from fans and stuff. He was always out yeah. there stirring shit. He just wasn't as big and strong as Tom Wilson is. You know, Tom Wilson just actually can do damage because he's a monster. And he does a lot of things well. Like, he really yeah. is. He's just so good. And I think this year's a good case in point because they've been so sure so many guys and he's mm-hmm. up like somewhat close to a point per game and the team's still succeeding and he's been doing it without backstrom mainly without oshie bunch without mantha like at some point it's like okay he obviously must be pretty good he's on the top line the team's doing good so even going back to the cup run his cup yeah run was, he was huge he was yeah. huge in that cup run he actually, yeah. uh, I, I remember because I, I bet the, uh, it's funny how you remember games by what you bet too, because I bet the yeah. Capitals to win the Eastern Conference that year actually also on a, a futures bet, which was insane that I hit that. And then I had the Caps in game seven. They were, uh, I think like plus 240 or sorry, yeah. not too. I, I always, that's the other thing. So I work in decimal, uh-huh. but I always convert it for the American readers, but I personally find it a lot easier. So I, when I say 240, I mean 2.40, which is decimal, but mm-hmm. in American, that's plus 140 yeah i was gonna say that would that would confuse me the decimal yeah i kind of like how we do it especially since like my units usually just 100 bucks so it makes it so much easier for me because that's true but decimal like it's i don't i think they're both easy once we get used to it i guess but yeah learn to convert for action Mm -hmm. but tom wilson did make a huge play in that game seven uh against tampa he had like a a massive hit i think in the neutral zone and then made the pass to obeshkin for that one timer that was a a great play that play was sick it was funny i was on a trip uh with my girlfriend at the time and there we were at the hotel like just got in to watch game seven mm-hmm. and everyone's like texting you're like they better fucking win or next gonna be so your bad. night's ruined yeah <laughs> yeah and literally like that was i still say that was my favorite cap school the like 
Wilson drops it to Kuz, slides it over. Mm-hmm. It was like the first minute of game seven. And obviously yep. those have gone pretty bad. I had a good feeling about that one, but like. Yeah, then yeah. Burkowski puts home two and uh, puts the dagger in Tampa. Yeah, that was that was a sick yeah, game. Yeah. That, that whole playoff run was awesome. That that was the best. That was like, especially after the years before. Like mm-hmm. there's so many of those playoff game sixes and sevens that I would say are like the worst sporting event I've watched. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Rangers are a part of that too. The Rangers game seven against Tampa on home ice. That was like the worst experience of my life. That was horrible. Oh, I thought you were going to say when the Rangers won on the, the little rickish, the overtime game seven goal. Was it 2015? Step on? Step on. I was there. The best moments I've ever watched. I was at the game. That was the best moment. Yeah, that was awesome. They were they were playing pretty good that year. Like that was the first Uh time I was like, okay, I think they could maybe go on a run. And I liked that team a lot. And uh, yeah, that goal sucked. And just the way it happened, like the shot block just dropped to him, and he just I was like, uh, I was actually yeah, I was fortunate to be at a lot of those Ranger Caps playoff games when they were going at it like every year. I was also at the game where Brad Richards scored that tying goal and then Stall won in an OT in uh, I think twenty twelve. That was that was a sick one. Well, it's a possibility this year. We'll see the yeah. division so stacked, but like it's up there on the more likely ones. I could see it being two, three, or one versus wild card. Yeah. Day. Well, let's let's go into some playoff talk. I know that um, you know there's some certain things that you look for when you are taking a pick or taking a side or prop, whatever it may be. And I know that kind of gets escalated in playoff time just because things seem like they're a little more predictable in the playoffs. Um, you know, I obviously feel way more confident when I bet in the playoffs just because, mm-hmm. you know, I'll take a team like, uh, what was it last year? Toronto, Montreal. I'm like, oh, there's no way, Mon- you know, there's no way Montreal comes back and wins this series. I'm betting Toronto to close it down. And then, you know, sure, sure yeah. as shit, they win three in a row. So, like, what are the things that you look for, I guess, you know, maybe just in a particular game and then also, like, h- how it escalates in the playoffs, things that you look for? Great. Um, yeah, and I think that's a really good example where it's like nothing, although Toronto did get pretty unlucky, probably aside from game seven, where you could see they kind of just went flat, but nothing has to happen, which I think is kind of a good way to look at it, especially mm-hmm. as series run along. I thought a really good example of that was the Montreal Vegas series where Vegas mm-hmm. were still being heavy. And it was, they're obviously close games, but I'm making this point from the perspective that Vegas were still a heavy favorite in every contest whereas the series wore along like by game seven i really liked my montreal i don't know what i got them at but it was a pretty big plus number but if you really so i think everyone had the mindset like vegas are so much better on paper their roster so much stronger more talented i thought montreal, that. <laughs> yeah and that's obviously yeah. a perfectly reasonable like it's not like it's necessarily wrong but they had followed it fallen into such a good rhythm of like allowing just the chances they wanted to give up uh, to Vegas and not offering like true breakdowns. Mm-hmm. So everyone was going off about how good price was playing, which he was, but like, it was a lot of like, he wasn't moving. He's getting set for his shots. And even the deeper ones were still like for him savable. So I thought they did a really good job of that. And it was almost like they're kind of counter punching comfortably where they were just going to like get the more true breakdowns and just like plays through the box and mm-hmm. like that. Which is, so something I like to watch for, and obviously I use expected goals and believe in it. And it's kind of supposed to be used over a bigger sample size. So you're not going to look at like, I'd say three games of a playoff series and use the expected goals for too much when you could just pour through the clips and like see what's kind of happening. And the one point I always like to make is that there's certain plays that are going to um, show so inaccurately in the data because it doesn't track uh, where the puck came from. 
So different teams are obviously more or less talented at creating these super high danger, yeah, high danger. The box where they mm-hmm. just break it, like snap it back. And the goalies ultimately got like a no chance on the play. And I put some of these in when I made that expected goals article where it's like just clips that are, they're going in as like, and especially ones where guys end up really deep down, like really mm-hmm. close to the goal. They can track obviously, because when people try rack or wrap rounds and all those factor in the data says that a guy scores from that shot on that point of the ice, like whatever, 2% of the time. But when it comes like two passes across the seam and the guy's tapping it in, and obviously, I think this correlates when you look at the teams that generally overachieve with regards to expected goals. Usually, mm-hmm. it's some of the ones that have more of the kind of guys you'd expect. And then kind of like the Kings, whatever, teams like that. The Ducks last year before they obviously turned it around. Yeah. Yeah. So teams like that that have less skill and less of those playmakers. And I think obviously shooting talent is a factor, but I think people undercredit how much the passing is a factor. I think like Panner and it's like for Rangers fans is a perfect example. Like he's oh, so yeah. good and he hates, like, he's just so smart. He hates those burner shots and like makes so many good plays. But yeah. And then, so the other factor is like when you try a play like that. So if you're like, try to snap it through the seam and a guy deflects it, whatever it tracks as nothing in the data. Mm-hmm. So especially for teams with more of a, a team wide mindset towards trying those and more guys that are good at it, it can really kind of short them. But at the same time, like I, obviously use expected goals data can you can you explain a little bit more about like just how what goes into the expected goals data like what um just for someone who wouldn't really know because i didn't really know the expected goals stuff until three months ago when i started at action right um and the models are building more and more and this is the other thing we don't mm -hmm. even know it's interesting to think what the teams have because obviously their analytical departments they probably are using different stuff but so with expected goals they track where a shot is taken from the ice, what the most recent event was. So they do track stuff like turnovers because that Mm. does factor in. But the main thing is it doesn't track puck movement, which is where it can. So they have a huge database of all the goals over however many years and all the shots. So then it can calculate what percentage of the time a shot should go in from a certain spot on the ice. And it does factor in like they're getting, I think the models are getting better and better. Like they factor in, uh, whether it's a snapshot, wrist shot, backhand, blah, 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 whether like what the chances of scoring based on that. Mm-hmm. But that's where you still see these teams. And I love this point and it looks good again this year. So my summer example was the caps because they're like plus 145 over the last four years compared to what they're expected, which is like, you look at the guys, they love these scene plays. Yeah. And like, it's literally known that the team doesn't like the stupid little burner shots. And then you look at the shooters and obviously there's some above average talent there. And they're plus 15 again this year, like as after I looked yesterday. So mm-hmm. it's just basically the idea that like the data gets a little curved because one of those goal, like one of those plays, it can be almost a sure goal. Like you can watch mm-hmm. the highlight, like he's finishing that whatever 90% of the time. And then in the data, it counts as like 0.1. Yeah. So that's where, and I think if you really watch in playoffs, and again, like I like, and this is the thing, like, obviously those balance out to an extent and it's a problem for everyone. So it doesn't, it's not like I'm saying the data is useless at all, but it's just like some teams create a little more consistently where I just think it's one more thing to watch for and try to factor when you consider kind of that data with regards to, to gambling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you are looking at a matchup, 
and you're like preparing your article, preparing, you know, what you want to talk about, what you want to focus on. Is that the first thing that you're looking for is the expected goals? Like for me, I, I immediately, um, I like to break it down like a three game segment. I always look at how that team's playing over three games and that genuine, genuinely, um, usually decides like what I'm going to take. Um, you know, but which is weird. Cause like last night I took the Minnesota wild on the road against Boston, but Boston had won their like three games in a row and Minnesota had lost five, but th- five, five mm-hmm. in a row. But then you kind of have to add in that desperation factor too. Right. So I want to bring up to you, the Edmonton Oilers, like, if you're a sports better, well, if you're a sports better, they've lost now, I think five in a row. I, I'm betting on them probably every game because they're they're due for a win. I mean, yeah. I know I know they're struggling right now, but they're a good enough team where they're gonna figure it out at some point. Like Minnesota was the same exact thing. So I I kind of I don't know about specifically the Oilers as an example though, because I kind of think they're just a little flawed. Mm-hmm. Like they were I retweeted that cup article I did in the summer mm-hmm. and I I put them as a sell in it. Like I was saying, I wouldn't bet it at the current line. Cause I think yeah. they, it's, it's easy to think they should get there with like McDavid and dry leading the way, but there's just the goaltending so bad. And the yeah. detour, like, I think if you look at it, like Keith and CC could be like, they're, they're fans here. And obviously I hear it a lot living in Calgary. People here love to rip on the Oilers. If there's sure. one, it's absurd. They like, it's, it's funny for all the years they're both really bad and like not cheering for either team. I have so many friends that'll be like a fan of one or the other and they just love to just rip on each other. About who's worse. <laughs> it's just like, you guys suck more. Like, yeah, yeah. I like the Neil and Lucic trade was a good example of that. Where uh-huh. it's like Both contracts were kind of bad. All the Lucic's have a good year, but, and, and all the back and forth was just like about who won the trade. And it was just such a point of pride and like stuff like that. Like when Neil scored, 20 like tap-ins on the power play all the mm. Oilers fans were getting on the flames about it and then now that it's the opposite it's just funny here yeah my dad likes to say the uh you're comparing shit to diarrhea you know that's that's, that's, that's my dad's line and yeah. like especially some of these recent years they just love to like poke fun at each other but mm-hmm. like you look at a big picture and it's like you guys have both kind of just been shit yeah, I mean, that's how, well, not necessarily how it's been in New York, but, um, you know, the last couple of years, obviously the Calgary and Edmonton rivalry has been a little bit ignited because of the skill with like a drill and, and Monaghan. And then you throw in uh, Matthew Kachuk too. And then obviously McDavid and Dreisaitl. But, you know, for for me being a New Yorker, like I grew up and the Rangers were always really good, really relevant, um, you know, in my childhood and the Islanders were kind of shit. And now, you know, finally the Islanders are getting somewhat good. And I think this rivalry is going to, finally like have some value to it and then you know this whole thing happens with the islanders this year but um you know i know you're not necessarily a flames fan but being in the middle of that battle of alberta um how exciting is it just like in alberta right now with those two hockey teams being so relevant i mean that's all i'm that's all i want in a ranger island rivalry is for both teams to be good i know like there are some fans though who just want their team to be good and their team to be complete shit but i'm one of those yeah. guys who like i, I think pretty much everyone in this province would rather the other team be complete garbage yeah but it yeah. is super fun to to see them battle and to go back to the question about like looking at the matchup the like first step of my process is and this is what makes it hard because i really do feel like i just do worse when i like i sit at home just watching center ice like channel surfing three games mm. But uh, I first step is, yeah, I just try to really make sure I have a good feel for where the team is at. I like to watch, like I base a lot of it off eye test and then I'll look at it here and there. But I try to really like just feel comfortable with where a team is at having watched them a lot. And then there's Mm -hmm. some like, yeah, you have to balance a bit of like where a team kind of should be at and like 
the spot and obviously especially with the nhl like it's so kind of back and forth night to night where like you do have to factor in all those things like yeah minnesota was a good one last night they probably started to get a little undervalued there mm-hmm. although i do think boston are gonna be one of the top teams but yeah like i think that's one of those teams where like considering the spot and how good they've been it's kind of hard to not look towards them there and i think there's just a lot of that in the nhl where you kind of got to think about it like night to night and then try to really watch about where a team is kind of at it's funny because i actually went on my article to take the oilers in that rangers game just because oh I, yeah I, well you were on a hot streak you won like nine in a row and then i saw you took that and i was like ah, it. i don't know and it it was such a good price and i kind of went away from my own game there a bit because i was kind of surprised and it did end up getting a ton of closing line value like i mm. almost i could have even just put some of the rangers but they really have looked pretty bad when you really think yeah. about it like, with an honest opinion it's like yeah yes they have to win but the goalies suck and the defense sucks and they're just like not getting depth scoring they're not even getting scoring from the big guys right now like yeah it's kind of a struggle but but you gotta expect them to turn it around at some point now like they're they're not gonna miss the playoffs like there's no way they, i was looking at it money puck has them like so low which really? i don't know if that's fair but they do have because i believe in the stars i think they're they're a little jekyll and hyde but i still think like they're a little more balanced than the oilers obviously they don't have as much top end talent but still mm-hmm. and they obviously they had a pretty good game last night and they're they're uh i think they were they played four less games and they're six points back or four points back but i looked at it last night and i thought they could easily take it the jets and the oilers are close if the jets mm-hmm. win the next game they'll have taken it on even games and then even vancouver only three points away now which i still yeah, don't they're know rolling vancouver are better than edmonton but there is a ton of back pressure like they could easily end up like one of those teams just needs to go on a good run and and the other thing the stars have two pretty strong goaltenders which could be pretty notable down the stretch so we'll see i honestly am kind of leaning towards they could miss which would be crazy but i mean i think that would that would blow up the entire operation if you ask me i think i think mcdavid's out of there if they don't make the playoffs that's insane he's he's too good of a guy though he won't like he's never bitched about anything yeah takes it if you like I think if it was like some of these other sports, he'd be like, "I'm done." Two years I mean, you kind of could say the same thing about Ovechkin. It took him like 14 years to win a cup. Sure. He could have been out of there after all the the backlash he got for never getting out of the second round. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's I know that's another crazy one for hockey. Where like thinking towards the playoffs, like people don't really factor in the situation. Like I know everyone loves to rip on the Leafs. Here it's mm-hmm. the same thing, but with that said and especially because playoff hockey is so close like the margins are just so tight when both teams are at such a level and like going back to that blues year when boston easily could have won that series won the yeah. cup toronto take them to seven and it's the closest series but they end up losing mm-hmm. and then it's another first round exit and everyone's completely shredding them for being like heartless and blah 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 choking and it's like they didn't exactly choke. that wasn't a choke i mean last year was a choke that year was that not was a choke. A choke. yeah Last year was a joke. But even then, the efforts, like, they probably shouldn't have gone to Game 7 ever. But they definitely did choke in Game 7. You could see yeah. that they kind of... Even Game 6. Game. Even Game 6, yeah. I think they had a lead and blew it. And then cocked in the Emmy. Well, and that's where it gets harder and harder. Like, I think I saw this with the Caps where, like, once that's the narrative, it's harder and harder to break it. Like, yeah. you're then playing that pressure that, like, this is our history. This group's been through this. We haven't fared well. Where, like, sometimes... I think it helps to just kind of have a fresh slate mm-hmm. 
end. And like, I think some of those years you can just feel it. Like the one when they lost to Pittsburgh the year before they finally broke through, you could just kind of feel in the game seven, it was not good. Mm-hmm. And then even then though, like these things always come down to such, and Holtby said it too, like when he was asked, what did they do differently? He said, like, we got one more bounce. Cause even yeah. the year they finally won, Kunakel hit the post like two minutes before they go down and score. Mm-hmm. But then the year before when they lost, they arguably played the early part of the series better, but dug a hole. Yeah. And then they played pretty good throughout. And even in game seven, it was a little flat. But if you remember the knob Obi hit in the slot, it was like a chance that came through when it was 1-0 and it hits Flurry's knob and he's like laughing about it. But mm-hmm. you could just feel they're dead. Like they had, they needed that. So it just, they do, like I feel like people always kind of forget how close the margin is in the playoffs where it's like, Mm-hmm. And that's a big thing like the the betting obviously is like once a team is at such a level it's hard to like warrant a huge like minus 200 favorite sometimes yeah especially no, I agree. If play hasn't dictated as such yeah i agree and uh you know before i let you go i'm, I'm gonna ask you one final question but before i ask it i want to give you a, a minute to you know plug anything uh where, where can people find you on twitter instagram um your action network stuff like that sure yeah so um, I don't even know I'm if I have you on Instagram. I'll have to follow you on Instagram after this. Yeah, I don't really have a like a work one, so my mm-hmm. uh, Instagram's kind of just else or just pictures of champagne in the hot tub. <laughs> yeah, you know what's funny actually? <laughs> my uh, my team sent in like my men's league team sent that in to get a cameo from Sean Avery. So oh really? They, they surprised me. And he went on like it's pretty funny. I'll have to send you. Right? He goes on for like three minutes, just chirping. Like, mm. yeah, it's pretty good. That's um, awesome. So, yeah, I've been I, praying to run into Sean Avery in the bike lane in New York City and just have him kind of rip me to shreds, but then give him a hug, tell him I love him. There's an Avery jersey right here. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's he's um. Uh, so yeah, I'm at Nick M underscore Hockey on Twitter, and then anyone who wants can follow me on the um, Action app, and it should be pretty easy to find. Is it Nicholas Martin on action or Nick Martin on action on the Nicholas K Martin is where on our app where you can follow the public picks. Definitely recommend following him. I've learned a lot from him and he's like I said, you were getting hot until you took the Oilers over the Rangers. So I don't know how you've been doing the last couple of days, but uh, you know, I I usually read your stuff and take your picks too because I'm a a big uh, fan of your work. Yeah. Articles have been pretty good. It was funny. I had, I remember I had a, whatever that streak got to like I had the ridiculous streak earlier in the year I don't even know how, and it was funny because I actually wasn't doing very good overall at the time mm-hmm. and then I like flipped it and started doing good with like personally and losing articles but yeah I had I, it's funny thinking back that I thought this was a reasonable thought at the time I took the Kraken to beat the Knights and it's opening snapped. night no like two months after two months in the season oh. whatever it was and it was like even close to pick them which is it's funny thinking that this is like a rational thought at the time. Mm-hmm. And that snapped like my biggest article streak ever. Yeah. I mean, the Kraken, I've been banging against them like every game the last couple of games. Well, and they're literally playing yeah. well. It's like yeah. it started here, they're getting unlucky. And now I think they're kind of deflated. Yeah. Well, without Tanum, too, Tanum's a big loss for them, season ending injury. Yeah. Give me three teams that you would pick right now to win the Stanley Cup futures bets. I don't know what the odds are, okay. but three teams you would maybe have a, a good value on at least. Like, you know, Vegas is like plus 600, which isn't really worth it. That's- yeah well the thing with the western teams like i was saying this to my friend yesterday when i was thinking about if we were just talking about if you had three teams who would you take but the western teams are going to have such an easier road Mm -hmm. so that's part of the factor when you look at their prices is like 
they're going to have to win two considerably easier series. When you look at the East, like I think the eight teams in right now in the East are pretty much the ones we're going to see. I don't really think any of them are going to drop out. Mm-hmm. Maybe if the Islanders went on a crazy run, but like right now, Boston in the wild card, I think they're still pretty legit. And like, obviously, that's not a great first round matchup. And yeah. kind of looking at it like, like we're talking about Toronto in the first round thing. It could easily happen again. They're probably going to play Tampa or Florida in the first round. Mm-hmm. Or almost certainly going to play Tampa or Florida in the first round. So that's pretty tough. I don't know what they're at lately, but I would say Carolina are a team that I'd liked, but they're yep. obviously get the bad end of that a tough division sequence as well. I liked the abs at the start of the year and I still like them. I think if you can get them at like plus 600 plus 550, whatever it is, I would, I would think for, uh, for the chalk, they're pretty reasonable when I just consider, you know, they're probably winning more than one in four. And then, you know what? I'm going to just pull up. Yeah. I'm pulling up DraftKings right now. That's what I'm looking at. I haven't actually done cup futures in a bit. I will give one out that I think, I don't know if in the U S it's uh but I just went in on it today. Uh, Vasilevsky's plus. Vesna. Yeah. You know where I'm going with this. Oh, it literally yeah. just went down though. So in the, whatever. So yeah, Vasi still at plus 500. I think it's good. It was plus 600 this morning, but it really is such a team stat. And mm-hmm. he is, I mean, he's the best goal in the world on top of that. And I just think camp are going to keep giving him such a reasonable chance to win. And, uh, so I think Vazzy, if there's a good future that I just placed, um, I hadn't really looked at the cup in a bit. But right now I'm looking at on DraftKings, the Abs are the favorite to win the cup at plus five fifty, which is ridiculous. That's too low for me to take a futures bet right now. And then that you got is, Toronto that's... and Tampa at plus seven hundred, followed by Vegas from Florida at plus eight hundred. Carolina's at plus fourteen. That's a good number to get on. Oh yeah, that and it's I'm looking at. And it's funny, this is obvious. This is a good example, especially for futures. It's so worth shopping books if you can at all, which I know is hard in New York. Mm-hmm. But like Carolina are plus 900 on Bet365. I'm looking oh, wow. At so honestly, the pens at plus 1600 is probably reasonable. As so soon as Saturday morning hits at 9 a.m., I'm putting in like three futures bets on like draft yeah. gigs and, and I wonder what your options will be. But yeah, I honestly, I still think the Avs at that, it seems square, but like they're going to have an easier route. And then I don't mind the Knights either. Like, again, I, I definitely see that the West is much easier. Like, I think I had, I posted that stat today mm-hmm. in the article about how St. Louis are second in win percentage in the West. They'd be seventh in the East or seventh overall league rather, mm-hmm. but uh, it, it is just such a factor when you look at it and think about then the likelihood of them having to win each series. And then as we know, once you get to the final, it's going to be pretty close. You just have to try to get through one series. And obviously those teams are talented enough to do it. So I just think that does better their odds so much when you really look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one I've actually kind of gotten off of it in the summer, they were in my buy article at 2,300. But I wouldn't actually play the Panthers at plus 700. No, me either. I think with how brutal that bracket is, like we said, they're probably going to go Leafs then have to play Tampa or something mm-hmm. like that, which is just a brutal first two rounds. And I still think the depth defensemen and who knows kind of what they're going to see from Bob. And when you look at a team like Tampa, I think it's a lot easier to think Vasilevsky. And, and yeah. like last night, Kucherov and Point looked insane again. And so I was just good. Watching thinking like 
we might just see the exact same story again where they get there they have the best goaltender the power plays ridiculous and as much as it's kind of easy to like use think like no one three peats you get grinded down so hard blah 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 like how many teams have realistically kept the roster together like they have and like they're only looking better and better and they just keep having more kids come up from syracuse that are so good like that taylor radish kid yeah he's, he's good sick. and then you had Corey perry yeah he's been a huge addition yeah he's got like 12 13 goals already yeah and not with much usage for most of it mm. so yeah there's just a lot and so florida obviously if you had a ticket at a longer price you're still liking it but like yeah. i think people have kind of started to maybe overrate their playoff chances a little bit and that's not like i respect that they're one of the best teams in the league i just think it's like when you really look at the numbers and the situation it's going to be tough mm, i i agree and nick i want to thank you again for for coming on um i got i got to run unfortunately but um hopefully we'll get back on right before the playoffs start we can maybe put in some some good playoff bets for people yeah uh, sounds follow. great but uh, i appreciate you and you know obviously anyone listening go follow nick on action because uh, he does a, do a really good job with the betting and he'll win you a lot of money. So um, I appreciate it again next thing. Next thing. Yeah, thanks for having me, Johnny. I want to thank my friend Nick Martin and Alexis Downey once again for coming on the show. The Rangers are looking to wrap up this West Coast trip on a strong note. So far, they're 1-1, one and, one, and they got the LA Kings tonight at 10.30 Eastern. They're in San Jose on Thursday night at 10.30 Eastern, and then they're in Philadelphia on Saturday at 7 o'clock Eastern, and then they won't play again until next Wednesday, January 19th, when they're home against the Toronto Maple Leafs, which should be a great game. But a lot of big games coming up for the Rangers, and hopefully they can get back to being fully healthy. That's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. If you ever have any questions or any topics you want me to talk about, please just shoot me a DM. I usually record the episodes on Sunday, so if you can send me a DM closer to Sunday, this way I can talk about it on the episode. That'd be great. But thank you all for listening as always. I love you guys, and let's go Rangers. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.